Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In 1966, the first episode of Star Trek aired, now a sci-fi classic. At the time, no one was sure if it would even find an audience but a loyal audience it's eventually found. Despite its popularity, NBC continued to have qualms about the quirky show, and after two seasons, they started acting on their doubts. They moved Star Trek to a 10pm time slot and cut its budget, slowly killing any chance for renewal. But that didn't stop the series. Syndication helped the show find a wider fanbase, and after rerunning for 17 years, it had become one of the most popular shows of its type. Over the year, there's been 10 series, 35 seasons, 774 episodes, episodes 550 hours of star trek content plus 13 films six of which were nominated in the academy awards and one of which won an oscar it takes something special for a franchise to last over half a century and still be so well loved but what happened behind the scenes well i'm marcus bronzy from trek culture and here's a look at 10 star trek facts you probably didn't know including one star trek detail that was made up on the fly number 10 Worf and Dax's romance was the actor's idea. Deep Space Nine is fondly remembered for many things, but that romance between Worf and Dax was a fan favourite. Well, to be honest, I was a little bit jealous. Anyway, surprisingly, it wasn't planned. Originally from The Next Generation, Worf joined the cast of Deep Space Nine in Season 4 to help give a ratings boost to the show. A romance for his character with one of the existing cast was not expected at all. Actually, Michael Dawn and Terry Farrell had said that their idea was all theirs. Farrell had joked that she and Dawn's character should flirt together so they both would get more scenes. The first scene the two met is also the first time Dax tries flirting with Worf. One of Dax's past hosts is revered by Klingons, and when Worf mentions this, Dax responds in Klingon, essentially saying, yeah, but I am way better looking than he was, to which Worf awkwardly replies, I suppose so. The chemistry between the two characters was apparent, and two years later, Dax and Worf were married. Much to our delight. Until the tragic demise of Dax at the end of season six, that is. Number nine, Tribbles exist thanks to a gentleman's agreement, which got abused. Non-intelligent balls of fluff, Tribbles are an alien species that, thanks to Starfleet scientist Edward Larkin, are born pregnant and when given access to enough food can reproduce at an alarming rate. 
Introduced in the original series episode, The Trouble with Tribbles, they are a beloved staple of the Star Trek universe, and they've appeared all over it, including the animated series, a crossover episode of Deep Space Nine, an episode of Star Trek Short Treks, and even showing up in the film Star Trek Into Darkness, in a scene where Bones tests serum from Khan's dead blood on a dead Tribble. But these beloved fuzzballs might not have existed at all if not for a gentleman's agreement. When writer David Gerald turned in his script, it was noted that the Tribbles bore a lot in common with another alien creature. These creatures were flat cats from the Robert A. Heinlein novel The Rolling Stones. So similar was the idea of the aliens, small fuzzy creatures with a soothing purr that reproduced when fed to the point of overwhelming a spaceship. I mean, that is extremely similar. That it was suggested that they should purchase the rights to the story outright so as not to risk claims of plagiarism. Instead, Gerald called Heinlein and the author agreed to waive any claim to the aliens, allowing Tribbles to be born into the Star Trek universe. He probably thought they were going to use them once, maybe twice, but to keep returning to the Tribbles without giving Heinlein a dribble of royalties, well, that's sure to rub a man up the wrong way. And in his autobiography, Heinlein spoke about his actual frustration about the whole ideal. In retrospect, he would not have made the agreement at all, saying that his flat cats had been exploited endlessly. Number 8. The award-winning menagerie was made to save money. Yup, all to save some dollar. The Menagerie, a two-part story that aired in the first season of the original Star Trek, is a dramatic affair that was critically acclaimed. In it, Spock's former captain has been severely injured. As the episode puts it, while he's mentally sound, he's trapped inside a useless vegetating body only able to communicate with beeps indicating yes or no. Spock tries to take command of the Enterprise in order to help Captain Pike and ends up on trial for mutiny, risking the death penalty for his actions. One would think the Hugo award-winning two-parter that has been so well remembered must have been born of some deeply inspired writing. Well, yes, and no. It actually turns out the episode was a cannibalization of the original pilot for the series. Production time and budget on the first season of the sci-fi show were spiraling out of control, so Roddenberry suggested using the original pilot, The Cage, along with footage to stretch it into two episodes. The Cage was re-edited to fit into a story within a story format, creating the memorable menagerie that has gone down as an iconic episode in Star Trek history. Number 7. Sonequa Martin Green, Party Queen Star Trek Discovery is the ongoing series that first aired in 2017. It takes place a decade before the original series starts, and Sonequa Martin Green plays Michael Burnham, a science specialist on the Discovery. It was a unique choice to have a series not star a captain, but Michael Burnham is still carefully tied into the existing Star Trek universe. After her birth parents were killed by Klingons, she was adopted and raised on Vulcan as Spock's sister. But you know that, don't you? What you may not know is part of the reason Martin Green was cast was due to her ability to express the complexities of a character raised within a culture that suppresses a human's natural emotional instincts. But it was also important to the actress that the cast had a natural camaraderie in and out of the show. Actor Mary Chifo, who plays Laurel, said, Michael started organising game nights and dinners. We'd even go out to support our local bridge crew, who were local actors, when they had other things going on in town. And that all comes from Sonequa. Her willingness to shine her light empowers all of us to do so too. Ah, Sonequa. He's nice, isn't she? 
Number 6. The Vulcan Salute is a real religious symbol. When Vulcans give their traditional greeting of live long and prosper, they raise up their hand in the Vulcan Salute, their fingers parted to make the shape of a V. This unique greeting was not written into the show, but created by Spock actor Leonard Nimoy. The greeting was based on Nimoy's memories of a service he attended at an Orthodox Jewish synagogue. During the priestly blessing, the congregation is not meant to look at the blessing itself, but as a young child, Nimoy's curiosity got the better of him and he had a little peek. He was struck by the distinctive hand sign that mimicked the shape of the letter Shin in Hebrew. Years later, during the filming of A Mock Time, when Spock visits Vulcan, Nimoy felt it was important that there was some sort of formal greeting to give weight to the alien culture. So, he got inspiration from his Jewish roots and his childhood memories and that famous Vulcan salute was born. Number 5 men wore mini dresses to combat sexism. From the 1940s, pulp sci-fi covers often depicted women in futuristic miniskirts or mini dresses. The 1950s Space Patrol uniformed the female characters in miniskirts, but it took a while for the actual fashion to catch up. By the time Star Trek the original series aired, mini dresses, like the women on the Enterprise War, were the height of fashion. In the 60s, having the futuristic Star Trek women dress in micro minis was also seen as empowering. But by the 80s, times had changed and more complicated conversations were being had about the sexualized portrayal of women in the media. The iconic mini dress uniforms may have been a problem for the next generation. The solution was to make mini dresses one of several standard uniforms that both men and women wore. Initially appearing in Encounter at Farpoint, nine episodes in the first and second season featured men wearing classic scant style minis. The third season began to phase out the last of the mini dresses for the traditional next generation jumpsuit style uniform. Number 4. Enterprise was supposed to take place on Earth. Enterprise is a polarizing Star Trek show amongst fans and it was the first series since the original that was cancelled. There's been much discussion about whether the studio meddling was the cause of poor reception with viewers. Executive producer Braden Braga has spoken about how the original first season of Star Trek Enterprise was supposed to take place entirely on Earth. The season would have followed the building of the first warp ship and ended with the launching of the Enterprise. Jonathan Archer would have worked as a test pilot. Human Vulcan relations, the Klingons crash landing on Earth, and the process of choosing and assembling a crew for the Enterprise would have been an overarching story across the season. A show focusing on the experiences of the characters who were in a near future from its viewers taking place on Earth was, as Braga put it, too off-concept for the studio. It was at UPN and Paramount's insistence that the first season took place in space. And it's curious to imagine if Enterprise had been given more creative liberties to stray from the then current expectations of the franchise and studios, what might have become of the series. Number three, the Vulcan nerf pinch was improvised. The Enemy Within is an episode of the original series in which a transporter accident causes Captain Kirk to be split into good and evil versions of himself love the evil version he's got a right sassy attitude it was also the first episode to show the now iconic vulcan nerve pinch a sharp grasp to the neck that causes the recipient to fall unconscious now an iconic part of star trek lore it wasn't originally a part of the script Initially, Spock was meant to incapacitate the captain through force, basically beating him up a bit and knocking him out. But Leonard Nimoy felt that this seemed out of character. Vulcans were meant to be logical and were supposed to dislike violence. To physically knock someone out seemed too brutish for the alien. Nimoy suggested the nerve pinch instead. 
It is said that he and William Shatner practiced the idea and when it was time to film the scene they showed off Kirk dramatically collapsing from the well-executed pinch and director Leon Penn loved the idea. It was used in that episode and has since shown up in many episodes throughout the franchise. Number 2. Voyager almost didn't have Captain Catherine Janeway. When casting for Star Trek Voyager, it was uncertain whether having a first female captain was going to fly with the viewers and the executives. Several men actually auditioned for the role of captain. Once the final decision was made to cast a woman, the captain was meant to have the name Elizabeth Janeway. Unfortunately, this was the same name as a well-known writer. To avoid legal issues, the character's name was changed to Nicole Janeway and Academy Award nominee Jean-Vierre Bouchold was cast in a role for the pilot. Bouchold is said to have walked off set after two days due to the intensive and grueling schedule of filming TV that was very different from what the film actor was used to. The result was the casting of Kate Mulgrew for the soon-to-be-named Catherine Janeway. It took a lot to get the Voyager captain onto the bridge, but it's hard to imagine what the show would have been like without her and the way that she says, energize. An important part of Star Trek history, Captain Catherine Janeway has the honor of being the first Star Trek character cosplayed in space by astronaut Samantha Cristoforetti. Number 1 or number 1. Patrick Stewart thought the next generation was destined to fail. Yeah, that's right. When Patrick Stewart signed his 6-year deal contract for the next generation, he did it convinced that the show would be quickly cancelled. He said that at the time he didn't even want the job, believing that trying to resurrect the short-lived Star Trek series with an entirely new cast was bound to fail. He said, I was very clear about what to expect. Star Trek The Next Generation was going to be an utter failure and I would be on my way back to England within a few months. I could make some money for the first time in my life, get a suntan and go home. He couldn't have been more wrong. The Next Generation brought new life to a franchise that would continue to grow over the years and his character Picard became one of the most loved captains in the Star Trek universe. Like fans, Stuart came to love his character in the series he worked on, but one can only imagine how shocked his younger self would be. Imagine telling Stuart back then that his character Picard would be so popular that he'd get a series named after him. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.